2: You, 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 Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Final ticks. Epps won't matter, but it does go. And that'll do it. Penn State. Might that be the one that gets them into the dance? Sure think so. 79-76. And the lower seed strikes again. The 10th seeded Nittany Lions down the 7th seeded Illinois Fighting Illini. And then the coach of the Illini afterward was just lamenting the fact that he doesn't, that the rules don't allow him to do anything to stop what the other team was doing. All right. Okay. That's uh, an interesting excuse. You could just defend. Yeah. Yeah. You could have there, a- there's nothing that's stopping you from defending. No, you could have a guy stand his ground. You could stay home on the shooters, or you could double team. There's, uh, there's all kinds of things you could do. Or you could, you could do one of those gimmick defenses, perhaps. You could
0: run a triangle, too, like we saw last night between DePaul and Xavier. Oh, I love it. Twitch has got the, the, the little stream of my viewpoint up there for a little bit. I just ran into Doug Glanville in the hallway. He, he's calling the game for our key. Cool. So he's doing prep. He says hello. Hello. And all that good Hi. stuff. He's a, he's a couple boosts down for me.
2: See, here's what's going on in basketball right now is very much like the adaptations that had to occur when the one and dones started happening You know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Coaches that ran complicated systems had to change. And they were they did so kicking and screaming. Notably, Mike Shishovsky was mm-hmm. one who always ran this motion offense that took a couple of years to learn. Couldn't do that anymore because players were turning over so fast. So he went to more pro stuff that he could just put out there. And he, like like you talk about coaches doing, he did the walkabout. He went around, he, he hung out with NBA players, did the international stuff, and figured out that I'm going to have to change what I do because I'm not going to have players for four years or three years that I'm just not going to be able to teach some of this stuff. And, and a lot of people did it, and they either simplified what they did, they changed what they did, or standardized what they did, and they adapted. Similarly now, when you're just – and Illinois is just the, the example that's at hand for us to use – when you're pulling in transfers – when you're getting guys out of the portal and you the teams haven't you guys haven't played together, it's testing you differently as a coach. That's your job now. Knit this together to be ready for the tournament. And the coaches that do that at the high levels. Now, when you're, we're talking about these, these, these big names, major conferences, destination programs that are getting people and getting transfers because people want to come play there, it isn't just about recruiting anymore. It isn't just about being the, the emperor. You've got to get guys ready.
0: Yeah, it's important. It's funny. When you were out, uh, Anthony Heron and I had Clark Kellogg on, and he was so great in discussing – what it is that makes for a a fantastic tournament coach?
1: What makes a really good coach in general? Communication. I mean, the lifeline of college athletics is recruiting. So when you get away from that, then you start talking about the dynamics within the game. I think it's being able to adjust – As the game unfolds, if you have to go away from what your comfort zone is to give yourself a chance to win, are you able to do that? And clearly motivating and communicating, putting your pieces together, those are all elements. But I think the biggest thing that I think is the the ability to adjust on the fly, maybe from media timeout to media timeout if necessary. It's rare that has to be the case. But certainly halftime, late-game situations, personnel issues, whether it's foul trouble or poor performance – that type of stuff really, I think, is the differentiator when you start talking about separating really good coaches from um, from great coaches.
2: And sure, the recruiting is the lifeblood, and we know that, and now recruiting is different. Now you're not just recruiting high school kids anymore. You're recruiting everybody else on any other roster.
0: The other part that, that what I've learned, and I'm sure you talked to coaches about this too when you were doing play-by-play, when it comes specifically to the tournament, it's not just the head coach. You have to have an incredible staff, your advanced team, because of the quick turnaround. Yep. You have to have a, a group that knows exactly what they're looking for against either one of the opponents that you're going to play in the next round, and they've figured out what the game plan is or can offer the game plan to the head coach. Because they they were there scouting it, and they can get it and teach it. The, The night after you finish your win, Like that game plan goes in, and you teach it with your day off, and then the next day you're back and you're ready to go.
2: You are in the hotel ballroom. That's right. Walking it through. That's right. Right away. Right away, like that. That you you get out of that locker room, you get on the bus, you come back, you get something to eat, and then you reserve a ballroom, and you are there saying, "Okay." And and, the, and I've I've seen it, and I've seen they turn it right over to the assistant coach that did the scouting. You got one guy watching, both you got a couple sets of eyes, and you will maybe assign one assistant or the other, or one of the whichever team is going to win, and then. They put their heads together because the, one guy's preparing for one team, the other team's preparing for the other. And you know
0: what, Dan? It's it's so interesting to me. It, like, as we've talked about, like, as this particular show has discussed the big-picture ramifications of how, the things, how things have changed in college athletics overall, not just because of NIL, but because of the transfer portal, because of what's being asked, because of the pressure that goes with the job. These coaches have to relearn stuff. And I, mean, I know it happens in our industry too. Like I know that as we get older in the industry, we need to learn new things that are going to keep us relevant, that are going to keep people interested in what we have to say. These coaches have to unlearn some of the stuff that they've done, a big portion of the stuff that they've done, and then go out and learn how they can go about being better coaches. And and I feel like the coaches who are going to survive and thrive are the ones that aren't aren't fighting against it. Are the ones that aren't like, "Oh, well, things are just this way now and I this is not how I came up in the game. Therefore, I can't function in the game, so I'm just going to leave."
2: Yeah, somebody not worried about that is a step ahead of you.
0: Right. Like, someone who is sitting there saying, let me use this innovation. Let me, let me use this as an opportunity to better myself. And what's funny about it, I know that basketball coaches do this, but, but to the degree that I'm talking about, mostly football coaches, you know how many clinics, like coaches on, on, the, on the highest level, the lowest level, they go to every offseason to try and get some sort of edge, some sort of something. That's going to make them a better coach overall. Here, there's a, a whole world of new. And maybe that's scary because it's so vast. Like all the it's so vast of a of um a world that you have to try and learn from that it's scary to these people. And I I wish that some of these coaches would realize that there's a real opportunity here. To be the best coach, you're always asking the players to be the best version of themselves, to get the most out of their opportunity. Well, this is a chance for a lot of coaches to look at this and say, all right, how can I go about changing? How can I go about becoming the, the, the ultimate version of whatever this basketball program is going to be? And it feels like a bunch of these guys are tapping out. And it's, it's, it's a little, like, it's like, oh, that, that's what you're, that when times actually got tough and you were the person that had to adapt and to change, that's when you decided that you were going to punt.
2: Well, and I get back to what Clark Kellogg said about communication, where sometimes the best thing you can do is in, instead of screaming at your players – and, and, and holding them to rules, listen to them. Listen to them and, and figure out where they want to be, what they want to do. Like this, The player empowerment aspect to, in, in college sports isn't just about compensating them or allowing them to play where they want. I, I do think the sea change is a little bit larger than that, and you can't treat them like high school kids because they're much closer to being professionals.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe the way that we treat high school kids should be different right? too. Yeah. You know, like it's there's there there's a lot there. Like that's that's what's both like encouraging about all of this, because it change isn't easy. You know, it, it takes a while to get all of this stuff done and try, try to understand it. But the power dynamic is shifting, and because it's shifting, you have a lot of I feel like even saying old school now is pejorative, but you have a lot of coaches that are struggling with the idea of I'm not the emperor anymore. And at the heart of it, at least what they proclaim, what they say when they're in your living room is their teacher and they're someone that wants to help your son or your daughter – grow into adulthood, that the teaching element is a big, big thing, and, and w- teachers have to go through all sorts of stuff. Like you, You're going through workshops, and you're trying to learn the, the different ways that students are learning, and you have to adapt what it is. You're, it's funny. I was literally just talking with Doug Lanville about that because like, cause he teaches at UConn, and we were, we were discussing that. And, and how you have to change and how you use the, what's happening in the real world to, to help figure out how you can be better at your job. And, and-
2: understand how young people are processing information now. Yes. And it's, it, 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 as a parent, too, Where you, I used to always say stuff, you know, get off your phone, get off your phone, get off your phone, put your phone down. And the other day, Jason looked at me and goes, Dad, I'm doing homework. And you're like, oh, right, I'm like then stay on your phone. <laughs> I'm an idiot. He's right. like, what do you mean, get off my phone? I'm, I'm doing schoolwork, right? And, and, and like that, there, everything. It's not, you know, he's not playing jewels. He's not playing Candy Crush. He was actually doing something for AP Lit. And I'm like, okay, I, but that's just that's just where stuff is now,
0: right? He's like, my bad. Yeah, all right. I'll I'll be over here. You got it, homie. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> that's,
2: ex- <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, <No>, I'm dumb. <laughs> okay. He's he's using his phone to do schoolwork. Ah. What, what a concept. Interesting. What a concept. Didn't know that was possible. <laughs> Thought you're playing Angry Birds. It's AP Lit. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Then. We
0: really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.